This whole series has been about Jesus saying, this is the life I bless. This is the life I approve of. This is the kind of life I will work within. Today, what he's saying is, I bless the life that is persecuted. So another way to look at it this way is, one of the great ways I know I'm living the blessed life is when I'm living the persecuted life for Jesus Christ. Hi, friends, and welcome back to Live in the Light. I'm your host, Craig Turnbull, and joining me in our studio is our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons. And we're thankful you joined us here today, and we pray that you are expecting to see radical transformation in your lives through the revelation of God's truth. We're going into Matthew 5 in just a moment, but Robbie's here with me. And Robbie, as we close out this series in, in the Beatitudes, looking at the life that God blesses, well, it's been a, it's been a great ride, hasn't it? And you know, as we as we close off this series and we're uh, nearing the end, like all this talk about the life that God works in and blesses and is encouraging. Hey, listeners, please hear from us. We love to hear from you. We love to hear how God has been working in your life. So maybe now's the perfect time. It's just even the Beatitudes is coming to a close and you're like, man, God's word has been powerfully impacting me and interacting with my heart. I am going to send an email. I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to let I live in the light know so we can be encouraged and keep going and spurred on to love and good deeds as we seek to have God's truth impact your heart and your soul. And so thanks again for being so faithful and loving your God. And please know how loved you are here as well. Okay, friends, it's Matthew 5, verse 10 through 12. The title of today's message is The Blessing of Persecution. Let's go now again to Robbie with today's message. Morning, everyone. Those uh, who are loved, welcome here. And you are a greatly loved by myself and the elders and pastors of this church. Uh, today we have um, an unusual sermon title for a Christmas weekend, really an unusual sermon title for any weekend. Um, here it is, The Blessing of Persecution. The blessing of persecution. You don't often find those two uh, words together in the same sentence agreeing with one another. But this is the amazing part for me is, you know what? It's true. It's true. Persecution for Jesus Christ is literally and actually a profound blessing within our lives. You can really say with accuracy, with the text that we deal with today, you can, you can really say, um, marry persecution and mean it. That is the point of our text. That is what Jesus Christ is getting across to us today from his word. And obviously there are many questions that come with that. And that's what we're seeking to un unpack today. So with Bibles open to Matthew chapter five, uh, we're gonna get into this reality that there is blessing found within persecution. Now, for the last six weeks, we've dealt primarily with one verse, one beatitude at a time. I don't wanna overwhelm you today, but we're gonna triple that. We're dealing with three verses, all right? I think you can handle three verses, but we're gonna look at Matthew 5, uh, verses 10 to 12. Here we go, Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. I'm sorry, Jesus. I thought you just said, blessed are those who are persecuted. He's like, I did, for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom 
of heaven. Notice the book ends, the first beatitude, poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And now we end the beatitudes with the same announcement, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus wants us to hear something. Jesus wants us to understand that, which why we live. And he'll say it again in verse 12. It's the reality of we belong not to the kingdom of this world, but to the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ in heaven, citizens of a future glory guaranteed for us. Anyways, kingdom of heaven, verse 11. Blessed are you when others revive you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. Amen. Thank you. All right. For so they persecuted the prophets uh, who were before you. Notice in these verses three times the word persecution is used um, in some form. In three verses, three times the word persecution is used. What does that tell us when we're studying the Bible? This tells us that's the theme. This tells us that's the big idea. This tells us that's the point Jesus is trying to get across. It's revolving around the theme of persecution. Two times the word blessed is used as it relates to persecution. And one time the command rejoice and be glad is used as it relates to persecution. What's that telling us? It's telling us this, there's no denying it. Jesus wants to end the Beatitudes with this point. There is great and profound blessing within persecution. There is blessing to be found with the person who is persecuted for the things of Jesus Christ. So let's start here then. Again, understanding we don't often think this way, if ever. Uh, point number one is this then from our text. Persecution is a good sign. Persecution in my life is a good sign. And I think we must agree that this truth is unavoidable found within these verses. Again, not what we expect to hear, but it is what Jesus clearly teaches. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are you when people revile you, when they persecute you, rejoice and be glad. And again, I want you to see this within this beatitude. Notice here, this is the only beatitude with a, a double blessing found within it. There's two types of blessings really. Blessed are those who are persecuted, then more personal. Blessed are you when you are reviled against or accused falsely or whatever on my account, Jesus says. No other beatitude can claim a double blessing as the one we're seeing right now found within the reality of blessing and persecution going together. There's no way around it in these three verses. Persecution is a good sign for the genuine disciple of Jesus Christ that loves him. But let's just stand back for a second and comprehend what's being said. This whole series has been about Jesus saying, this is the life I bless. This is the life I approve of. This is the kind of life I will work within. It's the life that I favor. It's the life, um, I, I will bless the life that is poor in spirit. I bless the life that mourns. I bless the life that's meek. I bless the life that hunger and thirst for righteousness. I bless the merciful. Last week, I bless the pure in heart. And today, what he's saying is, I bless the life that is persecuted. So another way to look at it this way is one of the great ways I know I'm living the blessed life is when I'm living the persecuted life for Jesus Christ. Just think about that again. One of the great ways I know I'm knowing God's blessing in my life is that I'm living a persecuted life for Jesus Christ. Now that's not feel good preaching. That's not being said in a lot of pastoral circles because ultimately people don't want to hear it. Here's my issue. If that is true, if the blessed life equals the persecuted life, which is undeniable in our verses, why doesn't that chapter make it into the best-selling Christian books of our day? 
How come that chapter is never found in the book? So you go to the bookstore and the most top selling books, there always seems to be avoiding the realities of what Jesus Christ said in this regard because it made it into Jesus' book. I mean, this is what I kind of struggle with. The reason people don't want to hear about persecution as a sign of blessing is because persecution doesn't sell. Persecution is not fun to hear about. And again, it's what Jesus talks about. People don't want to hear about persecution as a sign of blessing. They want to hear about prosperity. They want to hear about Jesus died to make me happy and healthy and wealthy. They want to hear about stuff that's really revolves around them as opposed to a a cost for living for Christ that will actually result in a blessing within their lives. When people are preaching the ears that want to be tickled, they will begin to say things that Jesus never said. They will begin to insinuate things that the Bible has never stated ever. And this is where we must fight against the North American tide of self-idolatry. And we must respond to it with clear biblical theology. And clear biblical theology today says persecution is a good sign for the Christian life. Again, allow me to point out again, the turning point for this message. If you take away really one thing from today's message, it's this. It's when you and I become convinced that we will encounter a greater and more profound blessing from the Lord with persecution for Christ than without it. Let me say that again we must be convinced that we will be more blessed with the persecution because of Christ in our lives than without it. That's what fundamentally has to be agreed upon regardless of what we've heard in the past and regardless of what our flesh even says to us uh, right now. But can we just admit that we don't often think this way? At least very few of us do. Yet Jesus implores us today, think this way. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Now, a lot of us are going to ask right now, I'm going to say, well, well, how can I see persecution as a blessing? How does this make sense that I should uh, see blessing as a result of persecution for Jesus Christ? I wrote down four things you need to know about biblical persecution to encourage you. Four things resulting in blessing. Number one is this, um, know that you're in good company. When it comes to being persecuted for Christ, know that you're in good company. Look at verse 12. Uh, Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. Wow, not one person, amen, all right? For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So think about this. Every person uh, used of God in scripture, speaking boldly for the things of Jesus Christ, encountered opposition or persecution within their lives. Think of, um, think of Moses. Think of Jeremiah. Think of Daniel. Think of Peter. Think of Paul. Think of Elijah, Nehemiah, Joshua, Caleb, Mordecai, Esther, David, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Job, Amos, Uriah. I go on and on and on. All the disciples, history tells us, legend says, all of them died for the faith that they professed in Jesus Christ. Then there's Stephen stoned to death. And of course, last but not least at all, Jesus suffered for his own righteousness that lived within him. The point is, is that biblical persecution puts you with great company. Every person in the Bible used of God, not to mention the past 2000 years as the church grows, how many individuals standing up for Jesus Christ, encountering the opposition to the righteousness they found in the Lord moving forward through their lives. You're in good company. And the scary part is that if you're not in that company, there's probably a problem. We'll get to that in just a second. 
There's a second reason you need to be encouraged to biblical persecution. You're in for a good feeling. What? So the Bible says, Luke chapter six, verse 22, it says this. Blessed are you, this is a parallel to the Beatitudes we see today. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil. Listen, on the account of the son of man, rejoice in that day, I love this, and leap for joy and leap for joy for behold, your reward is great in heaven. All right, a couple of people, great. Or so their fathers did to the prophets, right? The command here is, if you're encountering persecution because of Jesus Christ in your life, it's rejoice and not just rejoice, just be glad and not just be glad. Leap for joy because you are counted as worthy to suffer the things of your savior, Jesus Christ. Loved ones, hear the Bible saying, you're in for a good feeling if you encounter biblical persecution biblically. This reminds me of Acts chapter five and Peter and the apostles before the council and the high priest and the Sadducees. And there they were saying, we must obey God and not men. And they're standing up and declaring the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he is the only way to salvation when you believe in him. And Peter said with great boldness, but you, you were the ones who killed him. And they hated what Peter said and they wanted to kill them, it says in Acts chapter five. But Gamaliel stands up and says, wait, 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 before you do anything drastic, remember a guy named Thutis and a guy named Judas? They had some followers, they died, their followers went with them. If this is of man, it won't last. But he says, be careful, if this is of God, you might find yourself even opposing God. And he seemed to make sense to them. The council somehow said, okay, that makes sense. But in their saying that makes sense, they go on and beat Peter and the apostles after that. And then they send them off. And then Peter and the boys, they're leaving and they are rejoicing for they were counted worthy to suffer along with their savior. And I got to imagine as they're leaving the temple after being beaten for the name of Jesus Christ and told not to say anything about him anymore. I got to imagine there's a bit of skip in their step and a hop in their jump and all that. They're leaving like, woohoo, you know, because we just were counted worthy alongside of our savior. And they're literally rejoicing and I imagine leaping for joy because of the persecution that they encountered. You're in good company. You're in for a good feeling. Let's just do some word association right now. Just kind of hammer this point down. I say winter, you probably say snow. I say Jesus, you should say awesome, okay? I say persecution and you should say leap for joy. All right, that's what we're trying to get across right now. That's what's in the Bible. I'm not making this stuff up. This is in the Greek. Leap for joy if you are counted to suffer in this way with your savior, Jesus Christ. In good company, in for a good feeling. Thirdly, you're in for good fruit. When you encounter persecution for Christ, you're in for good fruit. Persecution, ready, ready, ready? Persecution is a sign of fruitfulness in the Christian life. But you know what? Here's what's sobering now. So if persecution is a good sign of fruit in the Christian life, then a lack of persecution is a bad sign in the Christian life. Luke chapter six, verse 26, it, it says this. It's again, it's a, a reversal of the beatitude. Instead of blessed, now it's woe. There are four woes. One of the woes says this, woe to you if everyone speaks well of you. Woe to you if everyone likes you. Woe to you if you attend a church that no one ever has a problem with. Woe to you if you sit under a pastor who never encounters opposition. Woe to you if you go around and everyone thinks you're the nicest person on the face of the earth. Now as Christians, we wanna love everyone and anyone, but the point is the love of Christ at times because it's based on the truth of Christ, by definition, truth will offend. If you're expecting everyone to like you because you love Jesus, you're not reading the Bible. 
We're gonna hear later on today, Jesus says, they hated me, they're gonna hate you. They will hate you because Satan is the prince of the power of the air and he hates Jesus Christ. He hates the gospel and therefore he hates anyone who loves and lives the gospel. And therefore Satan hates anyone in here today who wants to see the gospel go forward. And that means he will get people to hate you in the process because you simply are trying to love them with a message of life. It's incredibly ironic, but that's the way our world goes. Woe to you if everyone speaks well of you. And one of the things I find is that sometimes the greatest selling books and the author behind those guys seem to have the most fanfare because they're not really telling it like it is. And they're avoiding the truths of chapters like this. You are absolutely blessed when you are persecuted. The thing that comes in here again is that you're in for good fruit because persecution is a good sign. What Martin Lloyd-Jones says, this is the most searching beatitude because therefore the most fundamental question we got to ask ourselves, am I suffering persecution? Am I living in such a way the blessed life that my life is encountering forms of persecution from Jesus Christ? Because if you wanted to, you can avoid persecution. It's not that hard to do. Dwight Pentecost struck by this this week. He said this, if you want to escape persecution by the world, it's really quite simple. Do you want to escape the animosity of the world? Then just approve the world's standards. Approve the world's righteousness. Accept the ethics of the world. Live as the worldling lives. And you can escape persecution. If you want to escape persecution, approve the world's religion. Don't tell a man he is lost outside of Christ. Let him believe there are many ways to God. Deny the biblical truth that Jesus Christ alone is the way, the truth, and the life. Commend this person from the world for his religiosity, for his church going, for his giving to charitable institutions. You can escape the persecution of the world if you do not separate yourself from the world. You don't take a stand for Jesus Christ. Don't let anyone know that you are a Christian. Go right along with them. In the office, hide the fact that you belong to Jesus Christ. Hide the fact that you believe that you are saved. Hide the fact that you are assured that they are lost without Jesus Christ. Laugh when they tell dirty jokes. Do not reprove sin. Countenance it. Smile at their mockery and their blasphemy of your Savior. Do not reprove them when they take his name in vain. Accept it as commonplace, as though it was your manner of life to do so. You can escape persecution. It's not that hard to do. But then if you're living that life in the denial of what is true for your life, then you are not living the blessed life is what Jesus is saying today. Very searching, very fascinating. Persecution for Jesus Christ is a sign that we are actually living the life we're supposed to live because the righteousness of Christ within us is going to offend, it's going to attract good attention and bad attention. You're in good company, you're in for a good feeling, you're in for good fruit. Fourthly this, you're in for a good result. Biblical persecution promises a good result. Jesus promises that persecution will always end well, always. Now, not on our time, on God's time, not in our way, but in God's way. And we're gonna unpack this beautiful truth in a few moments. But before we get to that, here's what's so critical for this passage of understanding biblical persecution. What am I being persecuted for? That's the most important question we answer today. So point number one is persecution is a good sign. Point number two is this though, we need to see persecution for the right reasons. 
Not the wrong reasons now, for the right reasons. Again, look at verses 10 and 11. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. That's the key. For righteousness sake. Verse 11, blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, utter all kinds of evil. Falsely notice on my account on the account of Jesus Christ. The phrases that stand out are righteousness sake and my account. Jesus here is making a distinction as it relates to persecution. There's a right reason and there's a wrong reason for persecution. Let's just summarize it this way. It's not a perfect statement, but it's helpful. Wrong persecution is when I'm persecuted because of me. Right persecution is when I'm persecuted because of Christ in me. Say it again. Wrong persecution when it's because of me. Right persecution is when I'm persecuted because of what Christ is doing within me. So there are people, there are Christians who are persecuted for the wrong reasons. They bring it upon themselves. It's a persecution that comes from apart from righteousness, from apart from the ways of Jesus Christ. I believe there are people who are full of good intentions, but empty of biblical wisdom. Now, there are people who are full of terrible intentions. You know, there are, there are people within the church. There are probably people within this church right now who love to take down a leader, who love to be nice to someone's face, but then gossip behind the scenes. And they are, literally can't wait to pounce upon a mistake that is made. They may cut out the knees and rejoice in finding the ways to dismantle and to hinder and to discourage and to destroy the leadership of a church. There are people like that and they don't have good intentions. And that's flat out wickedness. But there are people who have good intentions, but they're lacking wisdom. And what happens is they, they, they get out in front of Jesus. They get, they get beyond where he is. And so they start leading and Jesus now, they expect Jesus to follow them and they miss his direction and they can bring on persecution for the wrong reasons. You're like, can you give me some examples? Sure. Um, people who are um, overzealous. Some people take a zealousness to a level that is not necessary. They offend people unnecessarily, actually doing damage to the gospel. Think of all the legalistic behaviors we have seen over the years that have wounded so many people and brought reproach upon the name of Christ. People like in the pharisaical type of behavior, they're just out there on a limb and Jesus is like, I never told you to go there. And they have made big deals out of things that should not be. People who are, um, are uh, fanatical, people who become obsessed with a detail that Jesus is not obsessed with. But they turn this obsession into a life doctrine. And if you don't agree with them, then they say, come here. And they go whack, often with their Bible, trying to say that's what God would have done to you if he was here right now, all right? And those people are fanatical. And I think they have moved outside of the realm of what is right and appropriate and healthy for the things within the church. And what happens is this often results in a persecution for the wrong reasons. I mean, just think about some of the blogs in our day. There are very helpful blogs in our day. There are very unhelpful blogs in our day. The world that we live in right now is such that if you wanted to, you can get on the internet and you can decide that you're now a self-appointed master of the church and you can judge anyone and everything as you determine. Here's what's amazing to me. Some of these bloggers, they have decided they are the accountability for all the church, yet they have no accountability themselves. That makes no sense to me. No church can be set up that way. I can't be the pastor of this church without accountability of elders around me. The moment that happens, we're done. I'm done, you're done. But these people, they decide they're gonna stand up and they're gonna pronounce what is right to whoever they feel like doing it, yet no one again is holding them accountable. I'd like to get these people sometimes and just ask one question. What's it like to always be right? 
Like that must be interesting, you know? Cause like, what's it like to always know the answer to everything and always be right on every issue? You can't be right on every issue all the time, which speaks more to the arrogance, I think, of some attitudes and behaviors. There could be good intentions there, but I think wrong methods a lot of the time. Now listen, I'm not against rebuke. There's a time for rebuke and you know me well enough to know that, but it's how it's done. It's when it's done, it's to whom it's done. And it's in the spirit of the love of the word that exhorts us to care for people in truth and in love. And that's what's so key. If you're not doing that, then in your, these ministries can actually be founded on persecution. Like that's what they do. They persecute everything and everyone. And then that brings persecution on the church as a whole because people look inside and say, why are you guys so violent against one another? How come everyone's so angry all the time? Again, the irony in all of this, I think one of the principles that I'm trying to live on so much is refuse, resolve and refuse to die on hills that Jesus isn't dying on. Refuse to make your life about something that Jesus is like, I'm not going with you on that hill. You want to go? Okay, go ahead to your own demise. I'm not going there. I'm going to Calvary. I'm dying in Calvary for the gospel, for the glory of, of God Almighty Jesus. I'm, I'm not going on that hill. But people are saying, well, I'm, I am Jesus. I don't care what you say. And they walk up this hill and they choose to die on that hill for reasons that Jesus would not do so. We can save ourselves a lot of unnecessary pain and heartache simply by operating in wisdom and not subjecting the church to persecution that the Lord never intended for it to happen. People overzealous, people fanatical, um, people who are sinful, I bring on persecution for the wrong reasons. Make sure you're crystal clear on this, okay? When I suffer for, uh, for consequences of sin that I have committed, that's not persecution. That's consequences for sin, okay? If you have some awful sinful behavior that has happened in your life and your family looks at you and, and people are greatly upset with you and this has brought on great um, hardship in your life, that's not biblical persecution. Again, that's consequences for sin. That's not what Jesus is saying. So make sure we're crystal clear. Woe is me, self-pity, I'm a victim. Not if it's a consequence for your sin. Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, not unrighteousness. So we gotta make sure we're totally clear on that. And in that case, we are suffering a form of, it's not really even persecution, it's consequences. But sometimes we can label it as such. So the question becomes, then, well, then what is the right kind of persecution? When are we on the right track for true persecution blessedness? Verse 10, when we are persecuted for righteousness sake. Verse 11, when we are persecuted on account of Jesus Christ, on my account, he said. So plainly speaking, this is a persecution that enters our lives when we are simply becoming more and more like Jesus Christ when we are loving him more, when we are growing into his, to his form and image and talking like him and shining, loving like him and being salt of the earth like he wants us to do. That's the kind of persecution the Bible is talking about that we are blessed by. Second Timothy 3, 12 on the screen for you. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, that's the key. Holiness, godliness in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That is the guaranteed life of guaranteed blessing in the area of persecution. Holiness and godliness and humility and Jesus Christ. What does that look like? It looks like persecution for standing for truth, not compromising in your faith, not ashamed of the gospel, not afraid or ashamed of our savior and showing him. It's the persecution from, comes from shining the light of Jesus Christ in our dark world. 
And know what's so interesting here is that the beatitude that precedes this one is blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. What is a peacemaker? A peacemaker, and I love this insight and truth. Peacemaker is ultimately not, let, let's not all hold hands and get along, everyone and everything. A peacemaker is someone who has received the peace of God, the gospel. They have been reconciled to God. They are now not enemies of God. They are friends of God. They are children of God. They have received the peace of God and they desire now to take that peace of God and share it with others. The truest sense and the pure form of biblical peacemaker is someone who has received God's peace and desires to share God's peace. It's the call from 2 Corinthians 5 that we are ambassadors of reconciliation. Paul says, I implore you to be reconciled to God. Our job is we have received peace from God by faith in him. We want to take man now and reconcile them to God by sharing the gospel. Hence, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. They're living out the reality of what they've been given in Jesus Christ. But here's the amazing part. Verse nine says in Matthew five, blessed are the peacemakers, but the peacemakers are the ones who are persecuted in verse 10. Wow, well, a strong word from God's word today a message of hope for all of us today. We pray that you receive that from the Lord today and your hearts are encouraged by that and you face this day delighting in the hope that's found in the Lord Jesus. And loved ones, just a reminder, we would love here at Live in the Light, we would love to hear from you if God's been moving in such a strong way, maybe even just today, providing you with that great message of hope. Our phone number is 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's 1-844-22-L-I-G-H-T. Or you can reach out to us via our website at liveinthelight.ca. That's all for today, listeners. Join us again next time here on Live in the Light. 